Welcome to this HR Latte exclusive, today's employer branding into tomorrow's employee engagement. Are they happy? Counting down. Five, four, three, two. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hello and welcome to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne, your host. I'm very excited about our show today as I continue my series, Today's Employer Branding into Tomorrow's Employee Engagement. My guest today is Matthew Jeffrey, who is the VP or head of global sourcing and employment branding with SAP, coming to us live from London. Hey, Matthew, thanks for joining me today. Hey, no problem. Always great to uh, come on and speak with you. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Well, I thought of you as soon as I knew that I was going to be doing this extended series. I think we're at about 10 parts now, so I'm very excited to learn from so many great individuals in the space about employer branding, where it's come from where it's going, and what it means to retaining quality talent and establishing a great employee engagement program within an organization. So let's kick it off, Matthew, if you could. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the 10,000-foot view of your role at SAP and how you and SAP serve your market. Okay. So in terms of my role of uh, heading up employment branding and sourcing, I think it's one of the rare departments that have merged the two together. So good recruitment is phenomenally tough. Mediocre recruitment is pretty easy. Let's be honest. You can just chuck it out on a job board, go to an agency, and you can hire, you know, a load of people. But are those the quality of hire you're looking for? Are those the best people? No, because generally the best people are not active on a job board and they're not active with an agency. So we have to go out and speak to those passives. So sourcing is is pretty critical for us at SAP. And we've got some challenges, Rayanne. We've got a brand. It's a, a business to business. Right. It's not one of those consumer brands like Apple and Google and Microsoft who can walk onto a campus and everybody goes, woo. Yeah. So exciting. Advertising. <laughs> right. But we have to work a lot harder. So we have to look at employment branding and sourcing to, to bridge the gap. And that's my role to work with the teams to, to make sure people are aware of us. And so how long have you had this role at SAP? Now, it's coming up for about, um, I've been at SAP for coming up for three years. I've been doing this for just over two years, this particular role. Well, I love the blend of bringing sourcing into employer branding. It seems like it should be obvious, but it's really not. It's really not. And so I'm happy to see that some organizations, in particular yours, is really making an effort to combine this role and have a greater understanding of the impact of employment or employer branding on how we source and how we bring people to the the organization. Now, you mentioned Apple earlier. Apple, who is a great consumer brand. You know, I love Apple products. I'm talking to you from an Apple computer. I have my iPhone right in front of me. Love Apple products, but I don't know that I would necessarily want to work for Apple. So Apple has their own set of challenges because of their own employer brand and what past and former employees have said, just like we've heard from other organizations, most recently Amazon, when we consider the New York Times expose that came out not too long ago about what it's like to work at Amazon. And so I want to talk about employer branding or employment branding. 
everybody has their own definition or their own version of it. Can you share with us what your version of employment branding is and how do you think it has evolved over the last five years? I don't think we were talking about it prior to five years ago. So give us the rundown of your feelings about employment branding. So it's interesting how employment branding has evolved. And I think if you go back five years, it was seen very much as a a marketing-led activity. The product marketing team would put out various, let's say, spin messages, how great we are to work as a company and and try and make us look something, you know, in their words, authentic, but make us look sexy. And it just didn't work because it wasn't wasn't real and it wasn't authentic. So how is employee branding nowadays? It's, It's just really that, capturing the views of the employees and giving them a channel to market to say what they think. So, you know, if someone leaps onto a glass door, what they see on there has to be the realistic experience That's right. of what it's like to come to us. And we can't control that. And a lot of companies spend a lot of money trying to do that. But ultimately, you know, there is a big difference between product brand and some of those brands you mentioned are, are right. super sexy. But when you leap on Glassdoor, boy, would we work for them? Obviously, they've got some work to do. So uh, <laughs> employees tell the truth, and we're very aware of that. Well, and social media, of course, has led on that front where individuals can say anything they want about their experience, whether they just had one interview, they can walk away from that interview having a real bad experience with an employer or having a great one and sharing it to their world, what it was like to sit in on an interview, how they were treated. So candidate experience has brought more awareness as well. And how are you doing this at SAP? How are you attacking this and and really saying this is important to us and we need to really confront and figure out how to do it better? It is, Rihanna, nobody in the marketplace is an expert in this area. There are lots of people out there saying that they're they're brilliant at it and they know about it, but I don't look at any company at the moment who have mastered uh, employment branding, ah. how they've really encapsulated it out there. So I think we're all still learning, and I put us in that, that whole bracket, and it's great for SAP. We've been on a, a number of employment brand awards this year, and nine in total, which is it's phenomenal. But That's awesome. I say we're, we're doing a great job. No, because I think we're still handing over powers and uh, giving that control over to employees to go out there and to really capture what they think and how they want to take forward. And this is culture changing that when employees are leading the way, they have to be passionate and changing the culture of the company. And when you've got a company like SAP, which is moving to the cloud, and there's 75,000 of us in there, there's a lot of people who have different experiences and viewpoints and experiences. And that's tough as we change our company to move to the cloud from being an on-premise software company. And it's just fascinating just learning and seeing how can we do things differently? How can we embrace what our employees are saying and take the risk? Because it's all about a risk. It is risky. (laughs) You can't control it. It's exciting, doesn't it? it, It's exciting. It's risky. I've heard so many companies that have uh, Intuit as one of them has really turned over their employer branding to the employees. Hey, talk about us. Let's let's film you talking about how great it is. Can we we talk to you while you're sitting at your desk? Let's figure out what drives people to say, I want to go work at Intuit. This is a company that I'm interested in that will be a place where I want to land and grow in my own career. So. Do you think it's possible, Matthew, when we talk about employer branding and part of this uh, series that I'm doing is really understanding the connection between branding and engagement? Do you think it's possible for us to ensure the happiness of an employee so that they stay within an organization? I think it's us to it's up to us to empower 
them to have the freedom and the autonomy to create their own happiness. I never think that you can actually create the happiness yourselves because it has to come from within the individual. So do they have the right reward structure? Do they have the right communication with management? Is management looking after their best interest? Do they have the chances to be promoted? Do they have the right chances for training and development? All of the tools have to be put in place and then happiness comes from there. And I think that still is a something that drives us. And it's interesting because I was having a conversation at SAP recently about training and I've never been trained in employment branding. But how have I become sort of one of those people in the marketplace right. that people are interested in their view? Because I spent hours myself reading and learning and sure. testing and doing it myself. So I've never had the spoon feeding of training and development in this area. And I think that that sort of how do you capture and nurture that in an individual that they want to grow and to be the best at what they do? And I think that's what the company has to do nowadays is to empower. And then once somebody reaches self-fulfillment, they're happy. But if we don't create those conditions, then they never have the chance to be happy. So it's interesting what you just just said, because I believe that you cannot just be spoon fed or receive no. a narrative to understand the power of employer branding or how to make it work. I think it has to be something in organic like you have yeah. done for yourself and when with your organization. So let's talk about some some successful initiatives that you've done in the past at SAP or, or with past experiences, other organizations. Can you share with us maybe a successful employer branding initiative? I'll share one with you. And, and graduate recruitment is one of those areas which is the, the hot potato as uh, you're bringing in the future leaders into your business. So I'll be honest that um, when you look at uh, graduate recruitment, it's uh, and the recruitment of millennials or junior sure. talent or early talent. It's very elitist. We were guilty of it, and some of the previous companies I worked with, we would trot off to those same old universities, huh. Oxford, Cambridge, MIT, sure. Harvard, and walk in there and think, hey, and then compete directly with some of those other brands. And we're all fighting over the same old students. And the question was, are these the best talent, or are these the best of what we can get at this particular university at this moment in time? And so then we, we reframed it about the whole question of who are the best and who are the best graduates. And that led us to look at, okay, let's completely change our mindset on this and go out to social media. Anybody from any country, from anywhere in the world, from any background should be able to apply to SAP, but they should be um, viewed equally in terms of their application. And so that's a big thing. Our hiring managers were, whoa, why are you doing that? You're going to lead to thousands of applications. And that's going to be a challenge for our employment brand when hmm. you don't get around to seeing them. So then we looked at it and thought, okay, well, we're actually over step one because we're democratizing recruitment and opening it up to all. How do we actually then get away from those tired old suggestions of recruiters getting all those thousands of CVs and resumes and then going back to the tired old methods of going, oh, right, what university have you been to? What grades have you got? You're back to what you were previously because they say, oh, Harvard, they like that. MIT, right, they like right. That. And then you're back to square one. And so we then introduced an online assessment tool. Now, that's a scary thing because we looked at that and said, shall we do real-time candidate feedback? Shall we fail people on the spot? And that's a big, powerful message that somebody takes time to go into an application and they can be failed and not taken further in the application process. We started consulting with graduates and they, they said to us, do you know, look, what happens normally? We apply for a job and we may hear back or we get the same old bounce back email of, you know, a recruiter may come back to you if you have the right skills and experience for this role and you're putting into a holding pattern in the airplane above the airport, always waiting for feedback. So they came back and said, even a no is a great branding experience because we understand where we stand immediately. Right, right. So we put that in place and uh, we had over 
for phase one, over 50,000 applications wow. going through. <laughs> we could set the bar. And do you know what? The recruiters at that point, an algorithm in that instance replaced what they were doing because we were able to select those people with a culture fit in part one of the assessment and then in part to a situational judgment who were best for SAP. And then obviously we looked at it and we could measure quality of hire through the sales figures they brought in in terms of quotas. And there you go. Boom, it made That's... a difference. But real-time feedback for candidates, that really helped our brand and we were worried it would do the reverse. That's a great story. And how powerful can that be to engagement in the future and retaining that talent? We're going to address that when we come back. We're speaking with Matthew Jeffrey, who is the Vice President of Global Sourcing and Employment Branding at SAP. Out of London, is that correct? Is that where you are right now? I am. I'm very close to London. I'm not very having good. a latte. I'm having a glass of wine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm having a latte. So we'll be right back with Matthew Jeffrey of SAP after we hear a quick word from our sponsor, Dovetail Software. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. Yes, and we are so thankful for Dovetail Software for sponsoring HR Latte. We're continuing our series today's employer branding into tomorrow's employee engagement. My guest today is Matthew Jeffrey, who is the Vice President of Global Sourcing and Employment Branding with SAP. And we've been talking about employment branding, and I want to talk now about how poor employer branding can impact the success of an organization. You saw in real time the feedback that you were getting from candidates in regards to not getting responses or in getting negative responses and how that impacted how they felt about the organization. What can it be like for an organization if they get bad feedback that's not in real time, that continues to be out there in the marketplace, like we've seen with some of the organizations I mentioned earlier? You know, it's really important to understand that employees are happy where they work and how that impacts the employer brand in the long run. So let's talk about bad or poor employer branding. And, you know, I I point back to a, a job that I had earlier in my career. So I worked for Electronic Arts, a large video game yes. company, and there was an incident uh, called EA Spouse. Now, what's fascinating here is just that this taught me about employment branding from day one and the power of what can go on in the marketplace. So Electronic Arts had a studio in Los Angeles. It was working its teams very, very hard. Um, it was about a game that needed to come out on time to budget to, to correspond with dates coming up into the, the Christmas period. And there was a challenge with the hours that some of the people were working. Some of the guys were having to work into weekends, both Saturday and Sunday, working long hours, often into the early hours, two or three o'clock in the morning. So this led to um, one of the partners of one of the programmers getting frustrated. And they went out onto a blog site and they blogged about how they never saw their partner. They were working so <sighs> hard. They were tired. And they were frustrated, and it could lead to the end of their relationship. And then it was interesting to see from that one blog how it suddenly spiraled. Other people joined in. It started to be shared on social media. It started to hit local news channels up into the national channels. And just from that one blog, which spiraled out of control, it then started to have impact on the company. 
and the shareholders were being asked these questions about, you know, work-life balance and how we're treating people, etc. And it just showed you the power of social media that you can never take for granted that an article on a blog site won't hit and have a devastating effect on your company. We learned from that when I was at EA and we managed to turn it around, but it was a very powerful lesson to understand the power of social media and to never, never forget about it. That's really interesting. What a great lesson. And the fact that you were able to turn it around is really important. Some of these organizations out there, I think are going to have a much harder time turning things around, even with a CEO change or a, a very powerful public message about, you know, a shift in how they're doing their work, how they're engaging employees, how they're promoting employment opportunities that aren't always truthful promotion <laughs> promotions, yeah. right? So let, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, the, the truth in advertising or the truth of, of how we talk about it. I know that you talk quite a bit and have written a little bit about what, what you like to call commentariat. Let's hit that a little bit. Even within our own industry, and we think that we're the superstars in our industry, right? There are a lot of people out there that uh, talk, write, promote, present about employment branding, about recruiting, about talent uh, management, about HR, about employee engagement, all these buzzwords that we have uh, that are part of this industry. What are you seeing out there that really bothers you? So I think what bothers me is that um, you often see the same old faces speaking at recruitment conferences. And there are people at some big organizations are doing some great work. But I speak to some of them and they don't want to go onto the conference circuit because of the commentariat. So they're worried that they go out and they start speaking about things. And those people who are in the commentariat who just comment and sit there and they blog about it and they talk about it and they generally spend their time knocking ideas down. And then this can have a, a negative effect is when that speaker goes out and speaks at a conference and then their PR team picks up about criticisms, et cetera, and hashtags about uh, this is rubbish and this is poor that they don't want because often, you know, it's tough building those good relationships with the PR team and speaking out there. So then it, it gets to the point of if you've got some great leaders who are too scared to speak and you've got people trying out new ideas, some work, some won't, but they take us further forward in the industry as we learn because of people who are sitting there getting a big name from social media (laughs) <laughs> and they haven't actually executed, which is the, the, the scary thing. Because when you look at some of these big names on social media, I challenge people to go back and have a look at LinkedIn, look at their profile and see, have they done some of the things that they're actually trying to advise people now? And it's like being taught how to drive by somebody who's never passed their test. And you sit there and you see the ridiculousness of some of these people out there on social media, bigging themselves up, building their brand up, criticizing around them to get business in. And it, it's fascinating, Ryan, that I actually um, had one of the commentary in and spoke with them. And they're very critical about some of the things that uh, can be done. And I asked them, well, what would you do? And you know what? It was the simple things. Oh, you need to use this on LinkedIn. You need to do these things <laughs> if you use Facebook in this way. And it was like, you spend most of your time criticizing, and yet you've come up with the most uneventful plan that's possible. And then you just think, ah, oh, these people, they just drive me nuts. And that's how they're making a living. They're making bucks out of the industry by criticizing others. and That's right. I spent a lot of time in my youth and in my adulthood being part of community and independent theater. And we would have critics come out, right? Theater critics come out and, and they would write um, usually scathing reviews yeah. about the show. And, and you go back and look at their resume. 
They've never acted. They've never written. They've never directed. They've never designed lights or music for a production. They've only sat in an audience and, and, and have watched. So they have no understanding about what goes into creating a production. I think it's the same thing. It's easy to sit back and look and critique. It's a whole nother thing to build a program and have it be worthwhile. Yep. And it's tough. It's not easy. As you know, is that you go in, you have to build support, then you have to make business cases. You have to convince people, then you have to adjust within the, the money within the budgets that you can get. Then you have to implement it, often against skeptical people. And it's easy to That's sit right. there and say, oh, you should need to do this. It's easy to implement. These people just haven't done it. It's like, uh, again, those people who play video games and flight simulators who believe that they can fly a jumbo jet and land it in San Francisco. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Uh, you're fooling everybody around you. And that's scary. Now, some of these companies are actually asking for advice from these people. And that, that shows you about the state of the industry when you can start to trust your company and your employment brand to some of these, uh, you know, these wisecrackers. These influencers or commentary, yeah. as you, you like to call it. I, I think that's really interesting. And I love that that you are speaking out against it and talking about it. I know a few other people that are starting to say, so what have you done? Right? Show us the plan, your past plan and show us not just your plan, but how did it succeeded? Yeah. What was the result and how did it succeed? And very few can actually say, oh, this is how I succeeded. Let me show you the numbers. And we talk so much about the metrics and analytics and numbers and measurable outcomes. And yet we have very little to show for it in many cases. So yeah, no, you're right. And it, it's interesting that uh, I've been challenged a couple of times because I've used the, 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 they say the cheesy old words, the war for talent. Right. The and, war for uh, talent. Saying, you know, the <laughs> war for talent's completely over and that. And then I look there in the world of IT, I see our competitors mapping our company, approaching them on a daily basis and our top talent, they're trying to seduce and headhunt away. Sure. We're doing the same with them. When we come to an offer stage between us, we're constantly upping offers between us. And you just think, where do these people sit that doesn't see that there's a, a real a war going on to, to attract people? And I hear that um, it, it makes me laugh about, uh, you know, they envisage the day when companies are going to be collaborating and sharing on talent. And then I look at some of the instances this year and I think, sharing ideas on talent and collaborating. When I was due to keynote at two of the uh, conferences this year, and because one of our competitors was actually one of the sponsors, they kicked me from the keynote because uh. they didn't want me speaking about our company. And, and people tell me that there's collaboration. And I just sit there and think, commentariat. They live yep. in a world of their own who are not realistic. And it just makes me smile yet again, Rayanne, that uh, they're, they're just deluded. And you're the type of person that we need to hear from because you have expertise in this. You, you're doing it on a daily basis and you're doing it successfully. So that's so unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> no problem. And it, it's just real. It's out in the industry. So uh, I know. So, you know, the, the big buzzwords for the last several years have been employer branding, right? One of them. We talk about predictive analytics. Not so big this year, but last year it was a, a big talking point. This last year, from conference attendance, from all the interviews that I've done, employee engagement is huge. It's everybody is talking about it. So do you think that in 2016, we're still going to be talking about employee engagement? I think it's interesting. I think we talk about these uh, philosophies and yet very few companies deal with them. I think when you look at the basics of uh, recruitment, very few companies are still doing that. Are they built pipelines? No. Do you get a good candidate experience, i.e. the basic courtesy of a reply to an application? No. Right. Um, if you have an interview, do you actually get to hear from the company after the interview what's happening? No. no. <laughs> if, you, if you fail 
in an interview process or you're a silver medal candidate, do you hear back from that company? No. And yet everybody's still trying to take it on and, and look at new things and talk about communities and gamifications when they're not even doing the basics. It's like trying to fit a turbo to a car with no engine. And you just think, my God, some people are, you just got to get the basics in line and then get to it. So engagement, perfect. And I have to laugh because I was at uh, a conference recently and there was a big company who come on and saying, look at us, we've got 300,000 Facebook followers. We're brilliant. And then yeah. they put up the posts. And then I looked at it and I thought, okay, I want to investigate this more. Then I looked, how many likes, shares and comments are here? There's two on this one, no comments, no shares, no comments <laughs> on this. And you just think, you're just preaching and just putting yeah. out posts to people who are not interesting. And then the conference has given you a platform to say, look at us with 300,000 followers. Again, it, it, it's just crazy that nobody questions it. And after this person stood down, people were going up and congratulating them on having 3,000 followers who were not engaged or had no interest in any of the posts that had gone up. And you just think, wow, is this the industry we're in? I think there's a misunderstanding of what engagement means, right? It, it isn't proclamations. It's actually having a back and forth or having somebody be interested and click through from Facebook. How many people are actually clicking through from Facebook to your page, to your careers page, or to an employment branding page? Is that happening? Is there yep. engagement? It's not just one way, right? That's well, who talks about that, Ryanne? Who really, nobody who really, really does. That? that nobody really, you know, it, that's Web 1.0. I remember when, <laughs> you know, when websites were first put up, they were just a billboard. Yep. And now people are using social media in the same way. We're going to blast you what we want you to read and see, but we don't care what your feedback is. Yep. Right. So, so why it, are people still posting a hyperlink of jobs on a Twitter feed back to their career site? <laughs> <laughs> you sit there and follow a load of those, Rayanne, every day and think, wow, look, they're recruiting yeah. for a software engineer. Oh, look, they're, they're recruiting for a project manager. And you go, oh, I like that. I'm going to share it. You'd be crazy if you were, if you're not looking for a job. Right. That's right. Oh, wow. It's, it's so insane what's going on today. And I think we're going to see even more commentary, even more, yeah. you know, because there's money in it. There's attention in it. So I think, unfortunately, I don't think it's going away. So we're, I guess we'll still have fodder for us to talk about, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the scary thing, isn't it? That, uh, it's a again, scary thing. I think I get it that there's some very good money to be uh, made by criticizing things and then uh, coming out with just a, a few various things that you can implement. Then you can get some wins and say, look, we've helped you get, you know, 20,000 new Facebook followers although there's no intrinsic value because none of them are liking or commenting or sharing or engaging and none of them attract to go back to your career site, but that's helped you to do it. And, uh, you know, it's the shame of what's happening out there. But, well, you and I will will keep fighting the good Oh, part, and, and we'll keep talking about it. I definitely want to have you back because um, I know there's so much more that you and I can talk about here on HR Latte. I would love to have you back in 2016. We're getting ready to close out the year here. So what do you think? Anything fun, any wisdom that you can share with us as, as we close out this year and, and look forward to 2016? And was there a favorite thing you saw? Is there a favorite tool that you're using now? What can you share with us? No, I think the, the only things that I, I revel in and enjoy is just going to uh, competitor sites and then just reading what people have to say. And the real authentic voices are, are growing in number and you can't ignore them. So I love to learn about SAP and I do that by not always asking our employees because they may come back and tell me the things that I want to hear. I want to read about the experiences that people are sharing out on a glass door about candidates who had a bad experience and then, you know, listening and learning and trying to improve that. And the same with what are our competitors are doing? You know, let's listen and learn from them. And, you know, the voices on a, a glass door or a social media truly give you that. And I think 
you know, it's such a simple thing, but very few people actually spend their time looking and reading those comments. And then that's how you learn and that's how you improve. The time has come to a close as I knew it would. It always goes fast when I have an opportunity to speak with you, Matthew. Can you share with our listeners where they can go to learn more about you or and SAP? Yeah, please do. And then uh, if you if you leap onto Twitter, my handle is at Matthew Jeffrey and spell E-R-Y on the okay. Jeffrey. Um, leap on LinkedIn and feel free to uh, send a request through and to send any questions there. And I'm also on Facebook and uh, email wise, it's matthew.jeffrey at sap.com. So please do uh, feel free to, to reach out. And uh, if you want to look at our sort of social media, Life at SAP on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we're still learning and improving those, but uh, tell us what you think. Well, I love that you're still learning, right? And I love that you have discovered the power of real time candidate feedback. And I appreciate you coming on HR Latte and sharing your thoughts, your experiences, your wisdom, your intellect, all of those things that we rely on and uh, make us good at our jobs. So it's, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you again, Matthew. Thank you.